Hi everybody. So it's uh, 10:30. We're going to start uh, out there. It's T10. We've had a lot of T8s and I get a few T10s in my time in my last seven years in Hong Kong, but it's as bad as I've ever seen. Um, so stay safe uh, and uh, let's also pray for those who are. Um, struggling with this, uh, especially people people in the Philippines. I imagine uh, with the infrastructure and things going on, it, it must be so tough for them. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're doing this live thing for the first time, and we're going to go through our sermon text. We're going to start a new series today, so we're just going to start it um, online. Uh, this is Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. But as we come to that... Uh, when we pray, when we pray for our time together, let's pray for uh, not not just those who are struggling with uh, uh, Hurricane Florence, uh, Typhoon Florence, but also um, the ones in Philippines. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're God who has created the heavens and the earth, and not a molecule moves without your knowing and without your command. And Lord, we thank you that we get to worship you today, that we get to listen to your word today. But Lord, we do pray for many who are struggling uh, with this weather right now. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Philippines. And we pray that you would be merciful to them, that you would bring aid um, to those who need it the most. And Lord, we pray that they'll be able to um, um, rebuild uh, their lives um, people, those, uh, people whose lives have been uprooted because of this. Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious and compassionate God. And Lord, we thank you that you are with them even now. And Lord, we uh, turn to this passage and turn to Shatin Church and the community here. Lord, we pray that as we come to this text and see how you came to eat and drink with us, uh, that it might change how we live our lives, how we see ourselves, and how we see you, and how we see others around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the text is Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. I'll read it for you. If you have your Bibles, actually, if you can open it, that'd be great, because we will actually go through uh, different parts of Luke, Luke 11 and other parts of Luke chapter 5 as well. So um, do uh, take a Bible and uh, let's listen. But uh, this is verse chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 27 to 32. Oh, gosh. The wind is uh, blowing quite strongly. Here we go, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their seat uh, to their sect complained to the disciples why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners Jesus answered them it's not the healthy who needs a doctor but those who are ill I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance I didn't have a very good time in middle school I particularly didn't enjoy the meal time it was a terrifying time for me because 
there was no assigned seating at the cafeteria. If you can imagine, I moved to the U.S. when I was 12. If you can imagine a 12-year-old Korean immigrant who, who couldn't count 1 through 10 in English, surrounded by a sea of pale white faces with this lunch tray, trying to decide where to sit. It was terrifying. I had no friends, so I, didn't, I couldn't eat with anyone. In fact, for a whole semester, almost a whole semester, I went and took my lunch tray to Mrs. Donahue, my English teacher, and ate with her, and she was gracious enough to have me there. Eating time is such a wonderful time, and eating and drinking and trying out new restaurants is like a, new, a national hobby in Hong Kong. But it's also a time that defines, whether intentionally or not, who your friends are, who, are, who your family are. Think about it. Who did you eat with this past week? And more tellingly, who did you eat at home? For me, at home, it was Mary and Barney and my family. And uh, uh, two meals I had with uh, guests from our church, from the church. In Hong Kong, we eat at home with close family and friends. We don't mean to, but just like the cafeteria in Williamsburg Middle School. It's a place where we differentiate who's family and who's not, who's close to us and who are not close to us. It's a place of exclusion just as much as it, as it is a place of inclusion. And there was no difference uh, back in the time of Jerusalem. Perhaps even more so than Hong Kong, meals were an important time to the Jewish people. This is how a commentator put it. It would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the Mediterranean basin in the first century of our era. Meal times were far more occasions for individual, far more than an occasion for individuals to consume nourishment. Being welcomed at the table for the purpose of eating food with another person had become a ceremony richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. Thus, betrayal or unfaithfulness towards anyone with whom one had shared a table was viewed as particularly reprehensible. It was a symbol of your intimacy, your friendship, and unity. It was time when people were included, but because it was so, it was also a time of exclusion. Those who weren't close, those who you didn't consider as friends, those who you weren't intimate with weren't invited. And to a certain extent, it was by design. God commanded uh, Israelites to do this. The Jewish people in the first century, even now, find it difficult, actually, to eat with Gentiles because of the food laws. These food laws created boundaries because they ate a different kind of food from the Gentiles. A Jew can't eat chasubao, a Hong Kong favorite like siu mai, or lobster with noodle and cheese, or razor clam, or oysters and scallops, uh, the, the delicious garlic with, with noodles and things like that. It, you, you couldn't eat with the Jews. In fact, this is probably why the food laws existed. It's not so much that eating this food, this food is sinful. Uh, but God wanted to distinguish Jewish people. They wanted to, he, want, he wanted to set them apart from all others because they're the only group of people in the world that worshipped Yahweh God. So that they were commanded to live differently by a different set of laws. Abide by a different relationship with time. With all the festivals and the weekly keeping of Sabbath. Men were physically set apart through circumcision. 
and they were also set apart by food laws, but by what they ate. All this was to remind them that they were a separate people, a chosen people, people who were called, the people who belonged to Yahweh God. But as they did often, the Pharisees added to these laws. One rule that they took on was washing their hands before eating. The priests in the temple did this before their duties. But Pharisees, who wanted to live exceptionally clean lives, started doing this at home as well. This then became the custom, so much so that when Jesus, when he doesn't wash his hands in the home of Pharisee, they're offended. If you ever have your Bibles, open up to uh, Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 39. There you will see Jesus eating with Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they're offended that Jesus doesn't wash his hands. And Jesus rebukes them rather harshly. as if He talks as if they weren't there. Take a look, 11.39. Now then, you Pharisees uh, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be made clean, will be clean for you. They looked clean outside. They washed their hands, they washed their dishes and all those things, but inside they were full of wickedness, filthy, greed. He then tells them to be generous to the poor. And that line, that last line is really important because the poor were excluded from the tables of the Pharisees. You see, only the rich had the time and the money to abide by these cleansing rituals. You can't be ritually clean in a slum. You just don't have the luxury. You couldn't afford it. This was another way that the Pharisees excluded the poor. I wonder if we do this. To find out who we're excluding from our tables, I think it might be good to think about what kind of people we want to be. Pharisees aspire to be morally righteous upright, holy people. So they all ate only with other righteous people, other religious people, those who didn't meet their standards, the people who weren't respectable, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the poor, well, they were never invited. Not often we do the same as we aspire, if we aspire to uh, academic success. success. Then you might exclude those who went to the wrong schools. If you're trying hard to be rich, you might exclude the poor. If you want to move up in the social standings, you might avoid those who live in the wrong neighborhoods. Meals are such a great time, but it's also a time of exclusion. But we're reminded that the sinners were excluded from the table of God, and this for a good reason. God reveals himself to be just and holy God, and sinners couldn't eat with him, or else they would be consumed by his holiness, his righteousness. You'll remember God's instruction when he came down to eat with Moses and the leaders uh, on Mount Sinai. He says in Exodus 19, verse 12, Put limits for the people around the mountains and tell them, Be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. They weren't even supposed to touch the foot of the mountain. Come near it. 
Even to Moses, he said, you couldn't see me and live. God's perfect justice and holiness meant that he couldn't be in the presence with sinful people. But something happened. Jesus came. And Jesus eats with everyone. I mean, with everyone. There is a story of Jesus eating with somebody in every, almost every single chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the Gospel that we'll, we'll go through. In this chapter, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi. In chapter 7, a sinful woman comes to anoint Jesus with uh, her hair at a meal with the Pharisees. Jesus feeds the 5,000 in chapter 9 in Luke 10. Jesus is seen eating with, in the home of Martha and Mary. In Luke 11, Jesus is again eating with Pharisees and the teacher of the law. In, in Luke 14, Jesus is seen uh, is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor, not just their friends. In Luke 19, Jesus invites himself with, uh, to a meal with Zacchaeus. Of course, there's the Last Supper in Luke 2.22. And when he rises from the dead, well, he gathers his disciples again in Luke chapter 24. He eats with everyone. He eats all the time, and that's for a reason. And Tim Chester, who wrote this book called Meals with Jesus, he says, there are three times that the Bible fills in the gap, fills in the blank, dot, dot, dot. The Son of Man came. The first, is Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10, the variation of this, Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the third is in Luke chapter 7. Verse 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Chester says, actually, the first two are the reasons why Jesus came. Jesus came to, to, to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. But the third is the method of how he went to go and seek and save the lost. He sought to save the lost by bringing people to eat with him, to eat and drink with him, to feast with him. That's why many, th- many times throughout the gospel, uh, the salvation is described as an invitation to eat, to feast with him. And we see that in our story. Look at the initiative that Jesus takes in bringing Levi, the tax collector. Levi, who we know better as Matthew. That was his other name. He didn't just run into him in a morning stroll. He went out to search for him. We know that because when he sees Levi, he's ready. He calls him, come and follow me. A tax collector became a friend of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, chapter 5, verse 27. And you know that in Jewish Jewish minds, tax, tax collectors were even worse than the Gentiles. Because they were Jewish people who betrayed their country and worked for a Gentile government, Romans. And while betraying their countrymen, they got rich off of their back while serving the Roman Empire. And Jesus calls him, Matthew, the Levi, to be one of his disciples. He became a contributing author to the Bible, to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And Levi responds to Jesus' calling by leaving everything to follow him. 
And the next day, by throwing a lavish banquet to celebrate this occasion. And he, of course, invites his friends, other tax collectors, right? Tax collectors and others. That's what Luke calls them. But if you look at chapter 5, verse 30, our story, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law refer to them as tax collectors and sinners. They can't understand. They can't understand how Jesus can be seen eating with these people. How can a righteous person eat with such people? But Jesus isn't ashamed. In fact, he says that that is the reason why he came. Verse 31. It's not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to be with the sick. He came to be with the sinners. He came to give grace to all those who needed it. I don't know how many of you, how many of you feel lacking in many different ways. Lacking. We live in a city that constantly reminds us of how lacking we are. At a school, you're ranked. You know exactly how lacking you are in comparison to all these other people. We're reminded that we're not rich enough by all the advertisements, by our parents, by friends who are doing better than us. We're reminded how we're not pretty enough, pretty enough smart enough. Even at church, you come and we're, you're often reminded of how sinful you are, how much you've failed. Friends, Here's the good news. Jesus came to be with you. Jesus came to invite you. The King of Kings came to invite all of us to his table to eat and drink with him, to feast with him. He's come to remind us that we are loved. He's come to eat with us. But here is the surprising thing about this. He includes all of us, all of us, but he doesn't say that sin doesn't matter. In fact, he still calls us sick. I've come for the sick. He doesn't say, you're righteous and holy just as you are. No, he says, you're sinners still. Sinners who need to repent. And once again, we're reminded that our holy God cannot be with sinful people. For we would be consumed by his righteous holiness. But is it that then that Jesus is a different God from the Old Testament? Did God just change his mind and say, well, actually, things will work now differently in the New Testament? Of course not. Jesus is the same God. He is the great I Am, the Yahweh God, who became a God-man. And he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That he and the Father are one. But how is it then that he's able to eat with Levi? How is it that he's able to eat with other tax collectors and sinners? How is it that he can eat and mingle with the prostitutes? How is it that he can mingle with us, you and I? You see, in many ways, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were right. Sin corrupts and it defiles. And if you're a Christian, you know how it feels. When I'm short and rude with Mary, I feel bad for days. When we fall into sexual temptations, we feel dirty. When you've yelled at your kids or your spouse on a Sunday morning, you know, you don't want to go to church because you don't want to face God. You see the barrier. You see, you feel the weight of sin. 
in between us and God, sin defiles, sin separates, and it's contagious too. Who you hang out with matters. It does say about, a lot about you because when you walk in steps with the wicked, stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the company of the, uh, the, the wicked, the mockers, their sin will draw you in. We're not strong enough to resist these things. In the flu season in Hong Kong, you'll see many people wearing masks. Uh, if you go to Prince of Wales, they'll have rubber gloves on and they'll constantly uh, be washing their hands to stop the spread of germs. Well, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that's what they were doing. The ritual cleansing, avoiding of sinners, uh, they're done for a good reason. They didn't want to become impure in front of God. They didn't want to be caught in the same sin as everybody else. So they excluded the sinners from, uh, from their circle of friends and hung out with other religious people. But something happened with Jesus. The normal rules didn't apply to him because he wasn't contaminated by sin. He was tempted in every way, but he did not fall. In fact, the opposite happened. He made people clean. Just take a look at the earlier section of Luke chapter 5. If you look at the earlier section of Luke chapter 5, verse 12 and on, there you will see the story of Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Lepers were people who were believed to be object of God's wrath. People who people assumed had sinned. They, you know, dead things were unclean and they were considered the living dead. To touch them would make you unclean. But take a look at Jesus and how he heals this leper. Luke chapter 5 verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy Leprosy left him. Jesus heals by touching him. And instead of Jesus being defiled by whatever that is going on there, the leper is made clean. He's able to go to the temple, present himself in the worshiping community, and offer sacrifice. He's included yet again as a member of God's people. But of course, that's not just about, that's not just about ritual purity. It's not about physical healing He's come to heal the sick, sinners to repentance. It's about sin. And that's what we see in the next story in chapter 5. The next story, just a few verses later, is Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. It's about sin. Just a few verses later in verse 20, 520, Jesus heals a paralytic. And he heals a deeper sickness, sin. Friend, your sins are forgiven. He came to forgive our sins, to make us acceptable in front of God, to include us in His table. Friends, the normal process works in reverse with Jesus because of who He is and because of what He has done. Nothing defiles Him. Instead, His holiness and His purity will cover over us Instantly, as we come into relationship with Him, we're made clean, we're made acceptable, we're made pure, we're made holy, we're forgiven in Him. We start the sermon series on this rainy day with invitation. Jesus' invitation to sinners to sit with Him. And we will end this series 
with Meals with Jesus, uh, with what makes this meal possible, the Last Supper. It was because He was condemned in our place. It was because His body was broken and His blood was poured out that we're able to sit with this holy God. It's grace. It's His grace that invites us to the table. Three short things I want to say as we end. The first is that there is one kind of a person that Jesus cannot heal. And it's those who don't think they need the help. If you go to the A&E at the Prince of Wales and you see, you wait and you finally see the doctor and the doctor asks you, why have you come? What's wrong with you? And you say, actually, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. You know what the doctor will say? The doctor will say, go away. Why are you here? You're wasting my time. Jesus is the doctor who came to heal. He's come to call sinners to repentance, but if you think that you are clean already, if you think that you're fine just the way you are, well, Jesus can't help you. Friends, if you're listening and you don't think you're a sinner, will you listen to Jesus' diagnosis? Will you examine your heart, not just in front of others, but in front of Him? See how you feel standing in front of this holy God. Come to Him and ask Him to help you to reveal the depth of your sinfulness. He will reveal it to you because He is gracious. And then He will accept you. Right? I hope you're struck by how different this era of grace works. Friends, nothing can defile you. Nothing can uh, make you dirty. Uh, nothing uh, can, can, can um, kick you out from this table. You're clean, you're accepted as long as you're in relationship with Him. I hope you will feel the purity the cleanliness that you will declare in faith that that is yours yet because you're in a relationship with Him. And finally, we'll talk more about this next week as we talk about community and what this means for us. But Jesus has invited all sorts of people to His table. Jesus has made a family of all sorts of different people. The King of Kings has included all of us to His table. Will you do the same? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the grace that you have shown. And Lord, for all those who are feeling dirty, for all those who feel lack, we pray that we will respond to your invitation. That for those who have never felt this way, Lord, that they would respond to you for the first time. And for all of us who have heard this message of grace before, once again, it will go from our heads and sink down into our hearts. That we will know that we are clean, that we are invited, that we are holy because of what Jesus has done for us. And help us to be a community that's different. A community in Shatin Church that is with all sorts of different people. And none are excluded because of what you have done. For us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, once again, um, stay safe and dry. 
And hopefully you'll have a great week the rest of the week. And next week, as uh, um, we have moved from Lamkamo School to Changsha Tim School. So join us in Changsha Tim School, 9.30 and 11.30 service. Thanks for joining us.